Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday, May 13th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined, as always, by our Tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, uh, we're, we're still waiting on word after the players and the league have met regarding the, the latest proposal on, on trying to get back to playing baseball in 2020. Uh, no real reports on progress, but, you know, we know that there's a battle coming, that there's, a, you know, a fight over, over money and compensation that, that's going to be waged at some point this week. Uh, our, our best hope right now is that at some point within the next maybe seven to ten days, we, we have something to go on and we get some dates, uh, you know, firmed up. Yeah, definitely, Joe. I think uh, both sides are in a uh, – they know – I mean, usually there's pressure on on these two when they meet anyways. Now the pressure is doubled because, you know, the pandemic, the rising unemployment in the country, and just the need for the country to see a sport. I, you know, like we've said before, I've said before, I, you know, I don't think baseball is uh, the opiate for the masses, but, you know, it, it, it could help. It could, it could help. And uh, so I think both sides are feeling that pressure. They know this is not the time to fight over money. And I think eventually they're going to reach uh, some kind of deal and they'll have baseball. But you know, now more than ever, the clock is ticking. I mean, the, you know, to, to, to play an 82-game season, if that's what they play, right. you know, they've got, to, they've got to get going. They, you know, end of May, you know, maybe they get a deal done. Then you get to camp, you know, you got to – what the, the plan, maybe June 10th, maybe before that, you know, a, a quick spring training, and then you start, you know, early July. And uh, you, if you're going to mess with that timetable by negotiating, um, you know, I, you, this might not work because the reason they have a, an 82-game season instead of, you know, playing into uh, November like they were talking about or whenever is because – you know, there could be another spike with uh, the virus. Right. Uh, interesting to note, uh, Ken Rosenthal from uh, MLB Network tweeted out that uh, Andrew Miller, former Indians reliever Andrew Miller, was among the delegation of uh, players representing the the Players Association along with Tony Clark. I think Max Scherzer was also one of the players there at the table uh, listening to Rob Manfred's uh, PowerPoint presentation on Tuesday. 
So we'll see. Uh, just just a, an interesting note. Uh, Andrew Miller's a smart guy, real good guy to to have sort of representing the the players and the union there at the table. So I'm sure that whatever decision or agreements can be reached, uh, Andrew will have a, a a big role in that as well. Yeah, he's always been a powerful guy and in, in a player in the union. Uh, I think he was elected when he was with the Indians to like the, the highest ranking, you know, player slot in, in the negotiating party. So, uh, you know, he's a smart guy. He knows what's going on. All right. Uh, as we, uh, as we get more towards the, the reality or the, the possibility of games being played, one of the areas that, that we wanted to focus on today and, and talk about today was the potential for uh, the Indians bullpen and what, what things could look like in, 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 for a unit there that last year performed, I, I think we'd have to say above expectations last year. Uh, they were, they were pretty decent bullpen uh, after, you know, coming in with a lot of question marks, uh, but there's been a lot of turnover and there are a lot of young guys now sort of ready to step into roles. And the, the big question is, are, are these guys going to be able to do that? And, and who does Terry Francona trust the most in, in sort of these high leverage positions to, to put guys out there? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Joe. You know, uh, everybody talks about the Indians' rotation and the depth of the rotation, but the bullpen is, you know, like you said, they've been sliced and diced over the last two or three years. I mean, think of the names they've lost. Uh, Cody Allen and, and Andrew Miller and uh, Tyler Olson, Dan Otero, uh, you know, Tyler Clippard, you know, uh, Brian Shaw. All those, you know, just go, the list goes on and on and on. They haven't retained those guys. And then now, uh, <clears throat> and, and you add on top of that, yeah, you lose Emmanuel Class A uh, for the season with a, a PED suspension. Right. And we talked with uh, Tom Hamilton yesterday about how that, that Class A suspension really does sort of impact, have a ripple effect on the, the bullpen as a whole, because now you're going to be definitely asking younger guys, uh, uh, not necessarily young, but but less experienced guys like Hunter Wood, Phil Maton, to to step in, and guys who you might not have, don't really know uh, very well, or, or fans might not know very well. Uh, the coaches might might have a a better handle on them, but you know these are guys that we haven't seen before pitching in roles that they're going to be uh, expected to contribute at some point this season. Yeah, when you thought about when they when they traded Kluber and got to Emmanuel Class A, you know you're you know. You know anybody was a, you know anybody who was a fan of the Indians is already thinking okay you've got two guys that throw a hundred in, in uh, Karinchek James Karinchek and and Class A for the seventh or eighth inning and then you've got Brad Hand you know who you know obviously had some problems last year but has still been one of the most consistent closers in in the game over the last two or three years so you got those three guys at the back end you always build a bullpen from the back end out. And that's a great starting point. Now you take Class A out of there, and you know, and you also have to realize, you know, Karen Check has only pitched five and third innings in the big leagues. And mm-hmm. uh, do you throw him into the fire like that? You know, I think if if he had, uh, you know, Class A to fall back on a little bit, it would have been easier to do that. And now you're going to have to mix and match. Uh, Karen Check's uh, success in the minors, dominance in the minors, really. Uh, to the point where he he had outlived his his stay in in Double A and and you know if it weren't for that injury I think we would have seen him at some point 
earlier in the season last year at, at the major league level. Uh, this is a guy who's got amazing stuff. He's got a fall off the table curveball, and he throws 100 miles an hour, and he strikes out you know 78 percent of the guys that he faces. Uh, this is a guy who ostensibly you're grooming for that uh, closer's role beyond Brad Hand. You know, once you move beyond Brad Hand, you, you got to imagine that Karinchak's the guy that they envision being a closer. So you want him to to step in and contribute, you know, in those six, seven, eight early innings, you know, this year. That, that, that's got to be part of the plan. Yeah, and then I think as he has success, maybe you move him back. You know, we've seen Francona do that. You increase the guy's, uh, you know, leverage situations. And I, I think, you know, Joe, let's say, okay, you got a starter. Uh, let's say Adam Plutko gives you five innings. You know, you've, you, you've got a 4-2 lead. How do you feel? How does Francona feel those, the, the next four innings? Well, you've got a veteran like uh, um, Oliver Perez who can come in and he's shown that, you know, you can throw him out there for an inning. If you've got something set up where you've got a couple of lefties coming up, you can throw an Oliver Perez out there and give him a sixth inning or a seventh inning. Uh, I think Adam Simber is also a guy who they want to see Adam Simber sort of step up and be able to to take an an inning there and and just know that it's his and and give give him that that experience that sort of that trust uh, if, if they're going to be effective in those roles, then, then sure. Uh, you've also got a, a guy like uh, a James Hoyt who you might, uh, they really like James Hoyt. He's a, uh, he's a guy, he's got a, a really dominant slider, you know, throws hard, big kid. Uh, so, so those guys are all in the mix. Uh, you're all, you're, you're trying to get to, you know, Wickren in the eighth and hand in the ninth. Those that's, that's where you're trying to get to. So, some combination of those guys uh, before that, if you're in a position with a lead, uh, is what I think uh, Tito's going to go to. If you're, if you're behind in that situation, you're trailing 4-2, I think Maton and Wood are guys that you, you can go out there and expect to, to chew up a couple innings for you. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Uh, then, you know, we've, we've, they've also going to have to deal with the three batter rule, you know, with Simber and, and Perez are going to have to deal with that. They can't be strictly matchup guys anymore. They've got to, they're going to have to, if they're going into, if they're starting an inning, they're going to be in there for three batters regardless. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. And I think both those guys are up for the challenge, you know, especially Perez. I mean, he's done just about everything in his career. He, except uh, really close every day, you know, be a regular closer. So he's used to hitting, fa- facing lefties and righters. Simber, you know, I think uh, his delivery is made to get right-handers out. Uh, it's and it puts them at a bit of a disadvantage for lefties because they can see that that sidewind that sidewinding delivery. They can they they got they have a really good look at the ball. So, uh, but you know, in talking to him, you know, I know we talked to him in one of our podcasts, Joe. He's made some changes in his delivery. He's you know he dropped what his arm slot dropped nine inches. He said yeah, last year. Like yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's got that back back up, and I think that's going to help him against left-handers. Yeah, and uh, you know, just just getting back to to Perez, I, I think Perez is another guy who who he's a chameleon type. He he can change things up, can change his, his arm slots and his deliveries, and his he has he hesitates, uh, does that double pump move, turns his back to the to the batter, all things designed to try and and you know mess with the guy's timing and make him uncomfortable in the box. 
I think Perez is a guy who, when that's working for him, can be a little more effective against a right-hander if he needs to be. But, again, those are all things that need to be worked out on the field at the time. Uh, and you know, you're, you're going to have expanded rosters. Um, so that's going to allow you probably to carry some, you know, an extra arm or two or three. Mm-hmm. You probably have, you know, I know there's been talk about a, like a taxi squad. So, you know, I'm thinking guys like maybe Anthony Ghost, you know, left-hander that throws 100, converted outfielder, maybe Cameron Hill, another right-hander that they like a lot. Maybe, those, some, you know, those two guys can, can help you, you know, down the road maybe if there's an injury or something. And, and you need a lefty in that mix. Uh, Logan Allen, uh, Scott Moss are also guys that uh, they, they both have a little bit of not, – not a whole lot of experience, but, you know, Logan Allen's at least pitched uh, a couple of big league games and made, made some starts. Uh, has a few innings under his belt. Uh, I think at some point you'll probably see him pitching in a game uh, again, they could go to uh, in situations if we're, if we're faced with with double header situations. If that's part of the scheduling, and who knows if that's going to be, you know, the case. Uh, if, if we're looking at double headers, you, you could look at uh, those guys as being spot starters or guys that work off of openers. You know, Hunter Wood has experience as an opener. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Uh, Hunter Wood and Jeffrey. Hey, we didn't even talk about Jeffrey Rodriguez. Right. You know, where does he fit in this in this mix? Is he a starter or is he a reliever? So uh, I think they're in a good position with, uh, you know, a lot of guys at the front end of their rotation who are rock-solid locks for, you know, spots in the rotation, and then sort of a blurred sort of blend of guys who can either start or help in relief. And then, you know, the back-end guys – the big question is going to be Karachak, and then you've got Wickren in hand at the end to sort of lock things up. Uh, yeah. There, there's just this this big middle gray area where you've got those guys like like Allen and Moss and Rodriguez that that we don't really know what their role is going to be. We just know that they're going to be counted on at some point in a season. Yeah, and you've got a good manager, you know, really a guy that really handles the bullpen is about, about as well as a manager can. And, he lets – I know when there's not defined roles, like most managers at the start of a season, you know, he lets guys pitch into those roles. And you've got, like you were saying, you got a couple guys at the back end of the bullpen in hand and Whitgren where, where you, you know, you kind of build your base on. And then you just kind of – and then you've got two re, pretty reliable guys in Perez and Simber, and then you go from there. Is there a happier guy in baseball when you hear the possibility of expanded rosters and the ability to add arms to uh to the beginning of the season uh, anybody happier than tito about that i mean this is you give tito uh you know extra guys extra, extra guys in his bullpen and he's the, the happiest guy on the bench definitely definitely he can never have too many relievers for francona <laughs> all right well uh let's jump into some questions from our readers uh, again if you're listening on the podcast or if you're already a subscriber to Indians subtext you can get text messages from myself and Paul and you can also text us back that's a another huge advantage of the subtext uh, platform $3.99 a month to sign up uh, go to cleveland.com slash subtext find Paul's picture it's uh, about halfway down and click on that throw uh, a dart at it. yeah throw a dart uh, click on the link sign up or you can register by texting uh, sending a text to 
uh, 216-208-4346. It's the exclusive way to get your questions asked and answered here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, Paul, what do you got for us from uh, from our listeners and our readers? At okay. This is from uh, Bill uh, Bachauer. <clears throat> do you think the owner's offer is negotiable, or will it be a take-it-or-leave-it offer? I know some of the owners are adamant about players taking a pay cut because there will be no revenue this season from tickets, concessions, parking, etc. If it is negotiable, how likely do you think it is that they'll be able to reach an agreement? Uh, I heard phrases being tossed around when they were talking about this uh, proposed like soft salary cap or revenue sharing uh, proposal, the 50-50 split between the, the owners and the players which amounts to basically a, a, a salary floor. Um, I heard phrases like non-starter coming out of the, the union's camp. So when I hear that, I, I think that, that that's probably a bad thing to hear. Uh, do I think it's a, a, a take it or leave it offer? I don't think any of it. You're, you're negotiating. It's, nothing's really take it or leave it at this point. You're just starting. So, uh, no, I don't think – I think the owners are going to have to give some – here I, I i just the the ask is huge when you've already negotiated uh terms and you're asking these guys to reopen these those negotiations uh, i think the owners are the ones who are going to have to sort of have their hat out yeah rob manfred is an experienced negotiator he was bud selig's lead negotiator you know in in uh, establishing labor peace in in after the 94 strike you know in in uh you know, getting the uh, the players and and uh, the owners to agree on a drug testing program. I, you know, I don't think he ever backs himself into a corner here. And uh, you know, Tony Clark is new to this. This is his. Uh, you know, I know that he negotiated the last basic agreement, but there hasn't been like a lot of pressure here. Uh, and uh, you know, this is a really a test for him and the players. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think in the end, they both know they have to reach some kind of an agreement. They have to do something to save the season. And I think that is going to motivate both sides. Okay, uh, we've got another one from, uh, from, I don't know if this is the guy's real name or not. <laughs> but let's just say he's from Clarendon, Ohio. He goes, hey, Hoinsey, who's more happy than the than the Astros over the delayed season and the poten- and the potential to play with no fans present. Uh, how does a shortened or canceled season affect the punishment of those involved with the Astros cheating scandal? I'm I'm pretty sure that the the suspensions they they've already come out and said that the suspensions stick. That's it. The it, whether or not there's a, a season played this year or not, you know, it's a one-year suspension from the, the time uh, that it was introduced by uh, for A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau. Um, and I believe uh, is, isn't is uh, Alex Cora also under that? Yeah, well? Alex Cora is under that. So uh, all three are suspended. Yeah. So regardless, they'll be eligible to be back in 2021. Uh, as far as being happiest about uh, not no fans being in the stands, uh, Aroldis Chapman's still going to be on the mound. So – if uh, if any playoff scenario involves a Yankees versus Astros uh, meeting down the road, Jose Altuve is still going to have to step in against Aroldis Chapman, 
and there is still the possibility of a 102 mile an hour fastball uh, headed straight for his five foot two head. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I, uh, this is from a Joe Sepik from Powell, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, as we near an imminent start to the season, could you possibly recap where we are from a health, where the Indians are from a health perspective? I'm, I'm interested in Naquin, Zimmer, and Clevenger, and also curious about Hand and Cookie. Uh, well, from as far as the advantages of this, uh, this two month break so far that we we've been under, uh, the expectation is that Clevenger is going to be back, you know, with, with no issues and no, no problems from his, his knee surgery. Uh, the expectation is that Carrasco will be back with, with no issues from his elbow, but, uh, you know, the, the other concerns health wise for him are he's immunocompromised and would be pitching in a pandemic with, you know, all that as he's recovering from leukemia. Uh, as far as Naquin goes, he should be on schedule to, to, to be close to getting back, but I think you want to take it easy with him because he's, he's not going to have his legs under him, but he should be cleared to do baseball activities. He should have been cleared to do baseball activities, you know, weeks ago. So uh, yeah, as far as who was who was injured before the the shutdown, I think everybody should be back to to being where they need to be. Yeah, yeah. Mercado had hurt his wrist. He's you know they've checked on him, and Francona said he's fine. Zimmer wasn't hurt. He just got sent down. Now uh, you know I think he you know he's he's he is he's kind of in the spot where he's got to play. You know, so this is this is not helping him. You know, it's not helping a lot of players. But it's especially not helping uh, uh, Bradley just because you know he's missed so much time in the last year and a half. So, and uh, and he's kind of in a tough spot. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't make this expanded roster, I mean, where do you play him? Is he on the taxi squad? And mm-hmm. what does it? What does it? What does the taxi squad do? Do they stay in Columbus? Do they stay in Akron? Do they play inter squad games? So we're still, you know, not out of the woods with this whole thing. The Lake, the Lake County captains will look a whole hell of a lot uh, better than they they did last year. If, uh, yeah, you, you could, know, they could. be playing on Lake County. That's right. Out there. Exactly. Uh, the other guy in that list that he mentioned was Brad Hand, and Hand necessarily wasn't uh, injured at the at any point in camp. It was just we we had the conversations about how he sort of tried to go too hard, too fast early last year, and that led to the the dead arm situation or the tired arm situation at the end of the season. Uh, and he, they, they backed off of him a lot. Uh, this year when he was in camp, he, he, was, he was back to throwing hard and, you know, looking like the, the Brad Hand of old. Uh, I, I don't anticipate any issues with him. Uh, they, they might approach how they use him a little different, differently, though. Yeah, you're not, probably not going to use him four days in a row or whatever, no. however that one stretch, you know, that, that they kind of well, has to – if you remember, Nick Wickren's first uh, first major league save came in Seattle uh, uh, at the end of you know three days in a row. Brad Hand pitching in games, and they they just couldn't throw him out there for the fourth day in a row. So yeah. they, they they pitched Wickren for for two innings, and he he did the job. Okay, okay. Uh, this is uh, you know I, I had di- earlier in the week I did a uh, uh, you know 
on this date in Cleveland Indians history, the, the series we've been running, mm-hmm. on uh, Steve Dunning, stunning Steve Dunning, hitting a grand slam uh, and being the last Indians pitcher to do so. Uh, you know, Dunning was, uh, I think he was the Indians' set, n- number one pick in 70 or 71, went straight from Stanford to the big leagues. And uh, he hit the following year, he hit a grand slam. Uh, and this, and this, uh, this uh, uh, reader asked me regarding Steve Dunning's grand slam. Didn't CC Sabathia hit one against the Cincinnati Reds? This is from Ray Smith. And, uh, you know, Ray, I checked it out, and CC did not hit a grand slam. He did, I think he, in his career, he hit three home runs, and two of them might have been against the Reds, but uh, no slam in uh, CC's resume. He, he actually does have the, the most recent home run by an Indians pitcher, though. It, it, as far as I'm, as far as I know, that was uh, against the Dodgers in L.A. Yeah, I saw him hit that. He almost hit it out of the ballpark. Right, and but, drove it but, down the right field line over the bullpen, and he crushed that ball. But that was the last time. I think it was 2008. I think that was the last time an Indians pitcher hit a home run. So, uh, the last time an Indians pitcher had an RBI was Carrasco in 2018 against uh, Milwaukee. And who had the hit last year? Was it was it Bieber had a hit last year? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think he was the last. I think Bieber was the last Indians pitcher to have a hit. So, uh, yeah, the well, but it's all going away. Don't worry, it's all going away. the The universal DH is going to be adopted uh, in in the in the twenty twenty plan. Everybody will be happy, right? The uh, the the NL owners won't have anything to talk about. You just you just go ahead and introduce the the universal DH and, and be done with it. I remember uh, CC Charlie Manuel when he was, when Charlie Manuel was a manager. Uh, they're they're losing to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, uh, like in the ninth inning, two to one, one to nothing, something like that. The Indians got a couple runners on base, and uh, and Charlie lets CC bat in late in the game like that. Lets him bat. CC hits into a double play. Game over. <laughs> We asked Charlie, why didn't you use a pinch hitter? And he goes, you know, you guys are thinking double play. I'm thinking the river. He thought he was going to – Charlie thought CeCe was going to hit one in the river behind uh, – what's the name of the uh, – uh, I can't remember. Uh, three Rivers. Three Rivers. Three Rivers. Well, not Three uh, Rivers, uh, but PNC. PNC, PNC, PNC yeah. Park. Yeah, he's, he thought he was going to hit one into the river. <laughs> Uh, into the uh, onto the banks of the Monongahela. That's where that's, uh, right. that's, where, it was, that's where it was going to go. Well, uh, great. I appreciate all the uh, the questions and comments we're getting on Indian subtext. It's a great service. Go ahead and, and subscribe again if you get a chance. Uh, Hoinsey, uh anything else to look forward to this week? Uh, I mean, when do you expect to hear these these negotiations wrap up? You know, Joe, I, I just go back to. Uh, you know, when, when you talk to uh, Chris Antonetti or any GM, you know, you don't have a deal until there is a deal. And I just, just from list, from being involved in these, a lot of these things, you know, when, when it seemed like uh, the players and owners were, you know, uh, battling every year, I mean, it doesn't get done until the last possible moment, until the apex of the pressure is applied. But uh, so I think uh, this, maybe at the end of this month, we, we see some, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, an agreement, but I don't think it's, you know, I think it, there's going to be some pushing and shoving on this thing, but ultimately the pressure from the outside is going to, is going to make these two reach in a deal. 
All right. Well, as soon as we have information on that, we'll get it to you uh, on Cleveland.com, on Indian Subtext, and here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Coinsy, good to check in with you. We'll uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk again tomorrow. And uh, hey, later on this week, uh, special guest uh, Carl Willis going to join the podcast as well. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, get your questions ready for for Carl and, and submit them. Yeah, send them to uh, send them to us in text if. Uh subtext if you got any questions for the Indians pitching coach. All right. We'll talk to you again later on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast.